0: Oh, baby, a little Eye of the Tiger survivor, man. Used to love, as we always say, when this would blare out at MSG for the Hulkster before he became Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And then also at Capital One Arena when Lars Eller would score a goal, but he no longer plays here anyway. Joining us right now is our odyssey nfl insider ross tucker insider calls are presented by betql download the free betql app right now and get instant access to the industry's most advanced suite of sports betting tools right at your fingertips so ross i I didn't know this matt said uh he saw you on the dan patrick show and something about how you could kick a ufc fighter's ass by playing this song because you like 80s music what's the story behind that
2: well, so so first of all, I do love 80s music, mm-hmm. and I think most people love the music from when they were teenagers. Sure. But that's not actually the case for me. I mean, I, I like a lot of songs from the 90s, but I think objectively, I was born in 79, mm-hmm. so my teen years were the 90s, but I'll take the 80s music over the 90s music any day of the week, first of all. Okay. Second of all, what I actually said on the Dan Patrick show, which remains factually correct, is that as long as any song from the Rocky Four soundtrack is playing, and in particular, Eye of the Tiger, there's nobody that could beat me in a fight. Mm. Like if that song's playing, if I go into the octagon against whoever the champ is, or you put me. In uh, a heavyweight boxing ring, as long as Eye of the Tiger is playing, there's no chance I'm losing that fight. None. Wow. What if I put you?
0: Uh, I mean, you didn't mention wrestling. What if I put you against Hollywood Hulk Hogan in his prime? Would you? And you played his former ring entry music, or The Rock,
2: or somebody like that? Would you? Would you be able to win that? I'm telling. I'm just telling you. I. I cannot imagine that I would lose a contest of any kind if the Rocky Four soundtrack is playing. And in particular, Eye of the Tigers. I mean, you I name it. the contest. I love it. But in particular, any type of fight or battle like, I'll just never give up. Unless I love there's a gun involved, or you kill me, <laughs> I, 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 will not, I will not give
0: up. Maybe they should have played that at FedEx Field off Thursday night, Ross, when you and I had to witness the carnage. Uh, it was first, first of all, it was very nice of you to uh, stop by and say hello. I, it's always fun to see you, and I'll always look forward to that, number one. Uh, so thank you. And number two, I'm sorry you had to bear witness to that.
2: Yeah, that was disappointing. Um, and and frankly, surprising. You know, I I do the Eagles preseason games on TV and pregame on the radio, so I had just seen obviously what the Commanders had done the week before against Philly, and I had come away pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'd come away thinking, okay, you know, they're going in the right direction. They're two and two. They they had the one stinker against the Bills. They lost an overtime game on the road against the undefeated Eagles. Like, both of those are understandable. But to just get smacked in the face like that by the Bears at home, I, I can't even imagine how disappointed it was. I actually happened to walk out after the game with Josh Harris, the owner of the the Commanders, and that, that had to be a bitter pill to swallow from. He did not seem real happy. I mean, imagine – it's a home game, standalone game, prime time, everybody's watching and your franchise comes out and lays an absolute egg. That's a tough one, that's a tough one to get past.
0: No doubt. Uh do you know him at, at all from uh being connected with the Sixers or was that the first time you had dealt with him? Like how do you know him at all or
2: no? Not at all. I, mm-hmm. I didn't say hi to him or anything. I just saw him leaving with mm-hmm. like his seven-person entourage or whatever. <laughs> he actually had like a bag of popcorn or something in his hand and was eating it. But no, you know, he, he didn't look. He didn't look real happy. Yeah. And I don't blame him, right? I mean, it's like your first kind of showcase game mm-hmm. as the owner. And I'll also say this, Chris. And you go to every game, so you know more than I do. But it's felt like there was more commanders fans in the stands mm-hmm. than I can remember in sure. a while. Absolutely. Like that's what it felt like that's what it felt like at least to me mm-hmm. um as opposed to recent years. I mean I can't believe how many people even bought those those new jerseys, like those mm-hmm. black jerseys they mm-hmm. wore. Which, by the way, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they should never ever wear those jerseys again. Yeah. Well, we did a Friday
0: football funeral uh, the day after, and I said, well, they were perfectly and appropriately dressed, you know, because uh, that's what you generally wear to a funeral. So uh, that that was the most disappointing thing to me, Ross, because I saw you again pregame, you know, and and you could have told me the Bears would find a way to win that game. O- okay, whatever. I mean, I wouldn't have believed you, but all right. But to get demolished, to get smashed from minute one, absolutely inexcusable. And if you're Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, and you're the stewards of this franchise on the field, so on, and Ron's got all the power and Jack's been here for all four years, and the defense is getting shredded like mozzarella for 32 points a game, like, how do you fix this? I I know the simple answer is fire everybody. I don't think that's what you're going to give me. How would you go about trying to fix this?
2: Well, remember this and I know this gets lost sometimes, it's only one game. Yeah. And it, it's by far the worst game for them. And we're about to find out what we see from them against Atlanta on Sunday. I don't really have an explanation, right? Um, maybe they took the Bears lightly. Maybe it's because they were still, you know, hung over, so to speak, from – the overtime loss against Philly. Uh, maybe it's just the short week. And, you know, th- there's a lot of possible explanations for what happened. None of it really matters. Mm-hmm. It's it's real bad. It's unacceptable. What matters now is how they react to it against Atlanta because there's a big difference between three and three and two and four. Oh, yeah. I mean, just think like three and three. We always felt like, Chris, If if you're three and three or, or better, if you're 500 or better, you're kind of in the playoff mix, right? Mm -hmm. You get to two and four and you're two games below 500. Mm -hmm. Now you're kind of in a different category.
0: Especially with four this this game. Now maybe it's good for them. This game starts to stretch a four or five on the road. Ross Tucker is with us, our NFL Odyssey insider. He's got a million other jobs. Westwood won. Eagles, as he mentioned, uh during the preseason, CBS. I mean, I see him all over the place. He's just he's a rock star and then some. Uh, and we're just happy to have him on for a couple of minutes here uh with us on the team nine eighty. All right. Um, so Jay Gruden, former head coach here, uh, you know, I have him on every Monday. You know, Jay's a good guy. He's he's got some strong opinions. He said quote, Sam Howell is making a case to be the franchise quarterback for sure. Now, I define franchise quarterbacks a little bit different than maybe most. You know, I think there's an elite tier. I think there's a franchise quarterback, you know, a a good starter. You know, a bunch of guys fit that mold, but maybe not an elite. How do you define all that, and do you see – a big-time light bulb on for Sam, or is it kind of flickering right now? How do you process that out after what you saw in person on Thursday night?
2: Well, I would say I'm encouraged by Sam, Re- really encouraged. And I I, I would agree with uh, Jay Gruden that I do think the Commanders might have their franchise quarterback. Um, I'm not sure that I think that he would be ever be elite, uh, but those guys are really, really hard to get. You know, um, I always say, if you have a guy that you believe is a top 15 quarterback, and I I argue top 20, because in my mind, if you really go through the top 20 quarterbacks, Chris, mm-hmm. if you have a top 20 quarterback, okay, you have a chance. I mean, you have a chance to go to the playoffs. You have a chance to win some playoff games, maybe even get to the Super Bowl If you have a really good team, like a Garoppolo type, and the reality is if you have a bottom five quarterback, you have no shot whatsoever. And even bottom 10, it's really, really tough. I think if you get a top 15 to 20 guy, then you hold on to him because you can build around that and the alternative is not acceptable. And That's what I think that it's trending to right now with Sam Howe. Now, Mm. there's still some skeptics out there, and I I get that. But I guess what I would tell you is, if this were year one for Sam Howe, which it essentially is, Mm -hmm. or if Sam Howe were a first-round pick, I think the narrative around him would be people would really be excited. I mean, really fired up about him. Mm-hmm. But because it's year two, and because he was a fifth round pick, there's there's more of a healthy skepticism. Are there areas of his game that he needs to improve upon? For sure. But he sure as heck looks better than Bryce Young does down in Carolina. Um, you know, you can go through. He looks a lot better than Zach Wilson ever has. Looks, you know. And I would say, you know maybe not the other night, but based on their sample size so far, he certainly looked better than Fields did. Fields first six games or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly can make the throws. I think he's smart. I think he's tough. Uh, he gives you enough mobility. I think he's accurate. You know, I think the um, the sacks is something that you can improve. I don't know that you can make, uh, you know, he'll ever be someone that doesn't get sacked at all, but I think you can improve. I'm 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 encouraged by Sam.
0: Uh, I mean, I I think people are listening to you and going, hell yeah, and and hopeful that you're right on and Jay's right on. And, you know, we've talked, obviously, uh, about the flaws and the good things. I I definitely think that light bulb is absolutely on. Uh, Ross, I got a million questions for you, but I I guess just for the interest of time, and I I can't keep you forever, uh, although I'd like to, uh, I'll ask it uh, one more this way. We were talking before you got on about Kirk Cousins and all these rumors and the speculation that the Vikings might trade him. And I understand why last Last year, the contract, no J.J. uh, They're one and four, all of that stuff. Can you trade a guy like Cousins, even if he was willing to uh, waive his no trade, in the final year of his deal, and even if you could fit him under your cap and have him – actually learn a system fast enough that he's not familiar with, meaning not to San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan or even a Miami and I guess Mike McDaniel. Can you trade a quarterback like Kirk as smart and as hardworking and diligent as he is and expect him to play at a high level? I don't know. In the first two or three weeks that he's there when he doesn't know the system.
2: Well, it's a good question. And um, the answer is yes. Mm. Now, because I've seen it. I, mean, I remember, I remember in Washington in 2001, Chris, we signed Kent Graham like, I don't know, week three after, after Marty, um, cut our starting quarterback, Jeff George. Hmm. And a couple weeks later, Tony Banks got hurt and Kent Graham came in and we won the game. Uh, and he, and he played well. So what they would do in that situation is, It's not as different as people think it is from team to team. And it would just take a lot of heavy lifting from Kirk that first week to basically translate this language into what he's familiar with. They would also pare down the game plan pretty significantly. And then they'd build a little bit more in each week. But even if they pare down the game plan, he's still reading coverage. And he still has an idea of what the concepts are. And I do think he can play well. Now, would it be as well as he'd play in Minnesota right now with, you know, being there all offseason and everything? Probably not. But I, I, I still think we've seen quarterbacks, you know, Baker Mayfield. Didn't he, like, land like uh, from – Yeah. From Carolina to LA, and yep. like played that night. No, you're right. Well. I mean, I right. think these guys can surprise you a little
0: bit. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I guess I think back to 2018 when Mark Sanchez got here and he knew the system to some degree, but yeah, you know, they could only run like a, uh, you know, like a small package of plays, even you know, ten days later or whatever it was. And everybody thinks it operates uh, differently. One last one for you, Russ. 49ers demolished Dallas. We all know that they're the best. Uh, I think we all know that th- they're the best team in the NFC. I would argue, of course, the best team in the NFL. Whatever. Uh, that'll all get settled on the field. Are they scheme dependent? Are they talent dependent? Or are they Brock Purdy slash quarterback dependent in your eyes? Or is it just all three mixed?
2: Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think they're dependent. I mean, I, I, I would say out of those equations I would say they're most Brock Purdy dependent. Mm, I agree with because you. Because he is he's operating that offense at a really, really high level. And I just don't picture Sam Darnold doing that. You know, and maybe he did, and maybe I would love to see that. Like if, if Sam Darnold can play that really well, then that really is a, a feather in Kyle Shanahan's cap. But I, I kind of believe Sam Darnold can kind of play like this or play that, that at this high of a level like Purdy is if I saw it. Love it. Love it. I, I'm
0: totally with you. I, I guess more like I, I'm like, hey, man, if, if Christian McCaffrey and Trent stay healthy and i u and D, Debo and Kittle, you know, then it's probably about the sum of the parts because they have some unbelievable talent. But I think, and I love Kyle Shanahan, covered him, for, you know, for four years, you know, obviously the old dad thing. I, I know how smart he is. It's just like the system hasn't didn't work for Trey Lance. The system didn't work for Nick Mullins. The system didn't work for John Beck. You know, it, it doesn't work for everybody. Brock Purdy is making it accelerate, uh, and and so that's why I'm with you, Ross. Uh, always great to catch up with you. Uh, where are you at this weekend? Just so everybody can uh, find you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I got a doubleheader again, and I'm doing Georgia at Vanderbilt noon Saturday on okay. CBS, which is awesome. Beautiful. The number one-ranked Bulldogs. And then Sunday night, I'll be in the booth for Westwood One for the Giants and the Bills.
0: boy, that's a hell of a weekend. And you get some buffalo wings, too. There you go. My guy. Thank you, Ross. Great to see you last week. I'll catch up with you real soon, okay?
2: Likewise, Chris. See you, buddy. There you go.
0: That is uh, Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Download the free BetQL app right now and get instant access to the industry's most advanced suite of sports betting tools. Right at your fingertips. Uh, Thanks to uh, our friends at Odyssey for hooking that up. Thanks to Ross Tucker. Great spot. We'll take a quick time out. Dumb, dumb of the day to come back and wrap it up.